You know what? Grace is yours, and mercy, and peace, from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Hiding. This year, no eggs were dyed at the Mech House. Now, there was church, and there was candy. There was an Easter breakfast, all topped by a mid-afternoon feast on good china with nine of our family gathered around one table. It was a marvelous Easter. We just didn't get around to the eggs. Now, for me, the dying of eggs has never been a large part of Easter celebration. I leave that to my wife, who has a steady hand and an artistic eye. My eggs were always the ones where, when the kids would find them, they'd say, Dad did this one. I'm just not very good at it. What I am good at is hiding the eggs. As a matter of fact, one year in Chicago, I hid those eggs so well in the house and out in the yard that we didn't find them all till June. And when we did find the last one, we really wish we hadn't. In fact, we aren't even the ones who found them. The last one, it was, I had put it on top of the bushes. But then, you know, day after Easter, it had rained and the egg fell down amongst the branches and somebody was clearing out some, some weeds and uh, we were living in a parsonage, so the guy came by, was the very, he had a, 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 a hedge trimmer, a gas-powered hedge trimmer, and as he shook the thing, the egg fell out and he stepped on it. And he told me a month later, he said, we tried everything. We eventually just had to throw those boots away. My wife made a new rule that year. She said, no eggs hidden outside. They all have to be hidden in the house and numbered. Now, I was never quite sure what dyed eggs had to do with Easter, or bunnies for that matter. Now, or what do they have to do with each other? I mean, rabbits don't lay eggs. They give birth to live bunnies. Rabbits don't eat eggs, as far as I know. They're strict vegetarians. I don't believe that they've ever colored an egg. I don't know how they would boil an egg. And as far as I know, they're not actually famous for sharing goodies with humans. But maybe the Easter Bunny is special. But now hiding and seeking have a lot to do with Easter. That I can understand. In fact, it's scriptural. There is the searching and the seeking and the wonderful surprise at the empty tomb. The ladies who've come looking for the man they knew to be dead, and he finds them instead. He calls each of them by name and sends them out on a mission. 
Now, before they got to the tomb, they had known where to go. They knew what they were prepared to do, but they were clearly not prepared for talking to an angel or two or meeting their risen Lord. They came to perform a difficult service for him, only to find that he had literally been to hell and back for them. The woman, well, the women had come to find Jesus. Both he and the angel told the women that the disciples should look for him also and that they would find him in Galilee. Just think of the dread. Not only the grief that they took to the tomb, not only the the necessity to finish what they knew men had done and so probably wasn't done quite well enough, But Jesus had been three days dead. Remember what Mary and Martha cautioned Jesus about when he wanted the tomb of Lazarus opened? Lord, it's been four days. By now, he stinketh. They were looking at doing something that only love could motivate. And they found out that he had done the same. Now we, are, we get used to the idea of angels showing up all the time, okay? But you know, mostly, they, I mean, the angels show up at Christmas, they show up at Easter, and although we only have a few chapters in between, keep in mind that those two things are a third of a century apart from each other. Most people never saw an angel. Do you ever stop and think about comparing the Easter angels to the Christmas angels? There are a lot of similarities and some significant differences. Neither the shepherds nor the women were considered to be the most reliable of witnesses back in those days. They weren't considered trustworthy. But it was to them that God chose to deliver the greatest news in the world. Now both of those groups, the shepherds and the women, carrying all those spices and oils and probably fresh wrappings and all the rest of it, both the shepherds and the women were interrupted at their work and sent elsewhere to find what God had accomplished. Now, one of the differences is to the shepherds, the angels appeared in the sky, first one angel and then a multitude of angels and directed them to go to Bethlehem. Whereas the Easter angels waited for the women to get to the tomb. And one of the reasons I believe that it's so different is the shepherds were told to go They were told they weren't in the right place. They had to go to the right place, to a a, a cattle stall, a, a manger in Bethlehem, 
Whereas it was extremely important for the women to know that they were in exactly the right place, the very place where Jesus had been laid. If angels had simply appeared in the sky and the women took the, the message back, they'd say, the disciples would say, are you sure? But now they could say, we went to that tomb. Yes, we're sure. Come and see. We'll take you there. But in both cases, the message of the angels comes down to this. Go and go now. I know the importance of the work that you're in the middle of doing. But I can tell you by the authority of Almighty God that you should drop what you're doing and go find Jesus. There is nothing more important. See what the day has done. Here is where the Savior of the world is to be found. And you know, the shepherds did go to Bethlehem, and they did find the baby Jesus there, just as the angel said they would. And they rejoiced, and they testified. They told the story of how they had been visited and sent and blessed. Now, the disciples on Easter morning, on the other hand, did not go to Galilee to meet with Jesus. Although Christ and his angels had both said that he, they should, instead they hid behind locked doors. And when evening came, they put a bar across that door for good measure. Why? They were scared. Professor Peter Nafsker of one of our seminaries wrote, Fear is a powerful force. In the disciples' case on Easter and even the week after, that fear was understandable. Because Jesus had been subjected to a disgraceful death at the hands of angry mobs and leaders who were simply emboldened by what had been done. And he had warned them the night that he was arrested that they should expect the same treatment. A servant is not greater than the master, Jesus had said. If they persecute me, they will persecute you as well. Unless they thought that they could slip by unnoticed, people, Peter had learned in the courtyard that laying low would not be easy. They can try to hide from the Romans and the Jews, but they couldn't hide from Jesus. The crucified Lord came and stood among them with words of peace that made them rejoice, which fulfilled another promise from Jesus. Given that same night, you will be filled with sorrow, 
but your sorrow will turn to joy. Then having turned their sorrow and fear into joy, Jesus sent them out with his spirit to continue his mission. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We heard it in our gospel reading for today. told you that the name of the sermon is Hiding. And so now it's time for a little introspection. Ask yourself, what am I hiding? Where am I hiding? Why would you be hiding? The disciples were hiding from the Jews and from the Romans. Do we try to hide from those who are afraid might think less of us if they knew what we believe? Do we try to hide from the devil, from the world, and from the siren songs of our own flesh? No matter where we hide, we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that we can hide from Jesus. But he comes to us not with words of condemnation, but with living proof that builds up our faith. In his own body and in blood and in his words which have preserved for us through thousands of years that we might still be sitting at the Master's feet. He comes to us and shows himself to be alive. A couple of years ago, one of our teachers at Emmanuel and Joplin suggested that instead of simply talking about the fact that the Easter appearances, post-Easter appearances of Jesus are so different from each other, I should actually write a Bible study about that. And I was foolish enough to say, that'd be a good idea. And as I prepared what ended up being a 12-session Bible study. I noticed something. Amongst those many appearances, every time, as a rule, Jesus appears and sends those he has appeared to out to do his work. I mean, people have asked in the past, why didn't he go to Herod? You know, Herod said, I want to see a miracle. Jesus could have showed up and said, how about this? Why didn't he go to Pilate and say, should have listened to your wife? Why didn't he appear in the temple? Maybe, and this would be cool, levitating about 11 feet off the ground. The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Why? Because of the fact that he didn't appear just to appear, but to confirm that God had done it all and to send people out in his name to do his work. Why would he appear to those who would simply find a way to excuse it all away, to come up with some explanation that that they could tell themselves and others that said that Jesus was a fraud. 
he goes to those he is going to send to do holy work. What is, what is he sending you out to do today? He sends you to do his work as well, to forgive, to love, to lift the burden of guilt from those who know that they've sinned against you and need to hear that they're forgiven. He sends you to do the good work for which people give glory to the Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus comes to you and sends you out to go and live a joyful life of someone who knows that all of our problems and sufferings in this world are temporary. Because Jesus really did die and rise again. And he is the first fruit. The harvest has just begun. He will raise us as well. And all of our fears can be cast out by his most perfect love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.